Good morning, everyone. We've been doing a series for the last few weeks called Togetherness. And we've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and really trying to understand what does it mean to be spiritual family? How do we actually uh, cooperate and, and uh, enjoy one another and be family together? And the, basically the summary of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is this, that we will divide unless we unify under two things. Uh, the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the diversity of people through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That in order to experience unity, there can only be one Lord. Every other identity is going to divide us. And so the Lordship of Christ is critical to any sense of being a unified spiritual family. And then it's kind of ironic that the other primary quality that Paul emphasizes in this passage is that we need to be um, diverse, that the Holy Spirit moves through the community of believers in a, in a diversity of ways. And it's that diversity that actually causes us to need one another and to be needed. So what we're going to be looking at today is we're going to be going a little bit more in depth into what this diversity is all about. And we're going to be looking at uh, love and power. Eventually, that's where we're going to get. But first of all, we're going to be looking at, uh, at this diversity. So we're picking up 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Every single one of us is a part of the body of Christ. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers. And then he goes into this other list. So he kind of goes one, two, three. And then if you remember last week, we talked about the, uh, the empowering of the spirit kind of being like a rainbow or like a like a, the, the white light of the spirit shines into a prism and it refracts into a rainbow of colors. And so then he gives a bit of a sampling of what those colors are. Then miracles, then gifts of healing. By the way, miracles and healing. Healing usually has to do with uh, our physical bodies. Miracles has to do with things that are uh, in nature. That's typically what's going on. But miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. So the question then is posed, a number of questions, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And so the implied answer is no. No, we need this grand diversity because there's no way that any one of us can fully capture all that God is and how he wants to reveal himself in the church. And then it says this in verse 31, it says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So these greater gifts are referring to one to three. And greater doesn't necessarily mean, you know, everything else isn't very good and th these are the only ones that matter. The idea of greater means foundational. They're the first gifts. And so what we see is we see apostles, prophets, and teachers. And in Ephesians 4, it kind of widens it out to say um, apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So there's a five-fold ministry. It's called in Ephesians 4. Here it's reduced down to three. But it's the same basic idea for this reason. What these, uh, in, here in 1 Corinthians 12, what these three gifts or ministries or actually people are, uh, are given to the church for is to churn our heart toward loving God, one another, and the world. So you can see that we've, we've talked about this a lot in our church, that we multiply disciples who love God, one another, and the world. And so in order for us to do that, 
we need particular people who help us with that. We see apostles, and then Ephesians 4, uh, evangelists are added, but apostles help us churn our attention toward loving the world in Jesus' name. <clears throat> they're the, they're the, the, the forefront of ministry in the church, taking the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and advancing that into the world. It's what worship looks like, but it's also what evangelism looks like, where we, we take what we have and we push it out. So if you've ever been around apostles, this is what they're thinking about. How, what we have is great, but where's the, the next hill to conquer? And where's God taking us? And what are we going to be doing next? And where's the gospel not been preached? These are all apostolic kinds of questions. And so when you're around these kinds of people, they're always going to be pushing you in a, in a sense outside of our comfort zone to think about more than ourselves, more than just our personal, even corporate relationship with God, but how are we going to take the gospel beyond the walls of the church? And then we have the prophets. Well, the prophets help us love God. The prophets' primary responsibility is to always remember the power and presence of God and what God is doing in any given moment. Without prophets, the church can become quite functional, where we're reaching the world, we're, we're, we're loving one another, but prophets are always churning our gaze upward and saying, uh, but what about God? What is God saying to us? This is the gift of, of, a, of a prophet. Notice that it's more than just prophecy, that they're not just giving us words. They actually represent in the church the, uh, the priority of us being a worshiping community. And then one another. One another is the teacher or the pastor and the teacher. And their primary responsibility is to care for the flock, to make sure that we grow we're rooted in God's word and that we're, uh, we're moving together as a community. And so what we find in these three people, in these three kinds of gifts, is they help us love the world, love God, and love one another. And together, they're this amazing uh, foundational whole that keeps the church healthy. So how do they help us? Well, I remember in grade nine, that was just a few years ago, uh, uh, I was in a mechanics course and our teacher had us, it was a super fun project. He had us design a, a, a bathtub for something back in the day, it was called the bathtub race. <laughs> and what, it was a race from Nanaimo to Vancouver and you had to be in a bathtub um, to, uh, to be in this race. Now, we'll put a picture up so you can see what these tubs look like. They're actually a tub inside of the hull of a, of a boat. But what we did for a whole year is we built this bathtub, uh, rebuilt a motor, outboard motor, and that was our, our project as a club. And it, it was really fun. And so on the, on the day, I remember very distinctly on the day of the bathtub race, there was, there was one person inside of the, the tub and then the rest of us were in what was called the pilot boat. And so it was kind of ready, set, go. And then the, the bathtubs would take off and then look for their pilot boat and shadow the pilot boat all the way to Vancouver. And then the pilot boat would churn off at the very end and then the bathtub would make it into shore. Very fun race. Um, now, I remember being in that pilot boat and watching what the, uh, what the tub needed to do. 
and it needed to get on the very crest of the wake that was right behind the boat. Because in that place, it was still water, there wasn't waves, and you had way less resistance there than you did if you were outside of that wake. Well, apostles, pastors, and teachers, uh, sorry, apostles, prophets, and teachers are, are, are breaking new ground and providing a quiet place for us to grow and move forward. They're kind of the, the arrow. When we look at, at what goes on today in wake surfing, you now see people who can, who can ride a wave without even having a rope. Because if you're close enough to the boat, it's actually the, the angle allows you to, to actually stay in the wake of the boat. You don't even need a rope. And so these are what these people and gifts allow us to do, is they, they give the rest of us a safe and healthy place to pioneer in our relationship with loving the world, loving God, and loving one another. Isn't that a great gift? Well, these are what they do for us. This is expanded, as we've already referred to. It's expanded in Ephesians 4, but let me read it out because it just provides more context. It says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service to help us love God, one another, in the world. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So uh, these people uh, enable us to do two things, to be unified and to mature. Now, uh, so the idea then is that as we value all five of these kinds of people, all five of these kinds of gifts that help us love God one another in the world, then we're unified and mature. So this brings up a very interesting point. What if the reason why you and I don't feel connected to the body of Christ or we, uh, or we feel like we're mature, immature in our faith, what if it's because we've not uh, come in the wake of apostles, prophets, and teachers? What if that's what's going on? What if the remedy is not to become more complete within ourselves, but to actually get behind someone, learn from them, grow from them? And only as we do that do we experience the unity that we long for. So the unity is not just kind of a feeling of being close. We actually are unified as we come under these, these three or five uh, gifts. And we also experience a brand new level of maturity. Well, why is that? Well, it's because these three primary gifts are in tension with one another. If you've, uh, if you've listened to apostles and evangelists, you know, maybe talk about pastors and teachers, it's kind of like, why are you spending so much time caring for people who are already in when there's a whole bunch of people who haven't come to Christ yet? Like, what are you doing? And then the, uh, and then the pastor will say, well, all you ever do is use people and I'm trying to love people, you know? And the prophet will say, well, I don't know what all you guys are talking about. I want to know what the spirit of God is saying. And there seems to be this tension inside of these three people, you know, that are representing our three primary relationships inside of the church. And so it really causes tension, doesn't it? And if ever you've been around these kinds of people, you feel that tension, um, if you're around somebody who's very pastoral, it kind of brings to light 
the ways that you've alienated yourself from the body of Christ. If you've been around a prophet, sometimes it feels as though your, your heart is being exposed. And you go, oh man, uh, when I'm before a holy, righteous God, uh, I, have a, I have a lot of things to work through. And then the apostle and, and evangelist come along and say, uh, you know, God bless you for praying and reading your Bible. And, but when are you going to get around to reaching people who don't know Christ? And so they create tension in the church, don't they? But it's in that tension that we actually mature. And we become more and more like Jesus because that's who Jesus cares for. He worships the Father, loves the world, builds his body, the church. Uh, we become more and more like Jesus as we let these people speak into our lives. But nevertheless, as, as, as wonderful a, a, of a gift as that is, it's also challenging. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I don't really want to listen to the apostles and evangelists. I don't want to listen to the pastors. I don't want to, to, to listen to the prophets. I just want to kind of tune them out and just survive the moment. And then when we look at the, the other gifts that are described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of miracles and healing and speaking in tongues and all these kinds of things, um, having faith for these gifts is always challenging, isn't it? It's, uh, it's hard to value this. It, uh, it, it, it feels as though when I look at the church in general and really the tensions inside of my own heart, I often wonder whether the gifts of the Spirit uh, don't become more and more optional. That we look at the church today and it seems to care more about how well it puts on an event or how well it, uh, it's in, uh, you know, how well it presents itself on social media than whether there's miracles in the church or speaking in tongues or teaching or prophecy. And it feels as though the church maybe because of the complexity of, of, of following the Spirit and, and receiving from the Spirit, we've just really maybe become more nice and clever and uh, maybe hardworking, but really have minimized the power and presence of God in the church. And so we end up becoming like what 2 Timothy 3.5 talks about, where we can have a form of godliness, but deny its power. So uh, I think we need to face this this morning. Do you value the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in the church and in your life personally? Or have you kind of settled for tips and tricks, just becoming a nicer person and applying yourself to, uh, to projects and um, you know, reading up on things and, and becoming a better person, those identities that we talked about last week? Or have you really laid down those identities of self-improvement and says, I want Jesus to be Lord and I want the, the voices of the church to, to shape who I am and to need them and to contribute by the power of the Spirit. So what's God's solution to the tensions that we might feel uh, when we're part of a church family? What's God's solution? Well, his invitation is this. In, uh, we'll, we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, just because it says it so succinctly. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. <clears throat> so 
What's the solution? God says, I want you to value two things. I want you to follow the way of love and I want you to desire spiritual power. How do you feel about that? Uh, Do you want to follow the way of love? Or are you more interested in, in kind of building a world that you personally enjoy? Maybe you're wanting to uh, pursue love, but, but find it really challenging and, uh, and, and, and find the idea of, of spiritual power to kind of be off-putting. Like, who wants to talk about power and authority these days? Nobody wants to talk about that. That just creates division, not unity. Well, I'd like to take a moment and talk about how love needs power and how power needs love, and then we'll conclude. Because both of these are critical if we're going to be a unified body and if we're going to represent God in loving him, one another, and the world. So first of all, love needs power. Without power, love becomes mere sentimentality. It's just emotion. I care about you. I can't actually help in any way, but I care about you. Well, that's a nice start. But without power, nothing really changes, does it? And so uh, we can be kind and want everybody to get along and try to be a good person ourselves. But without power, people's hearts don't change. Lives aren't changed. We don't see the manifestation of the glory of God. And what ends up happening, if you decide to be a loving person without the power of the Holy Spirit, I can almost guarantee that eventually you'll get disheartened. And you'll be trying to love and care and there's so many people to care about and it just gets overwhelming. And so without power, our our love becomes smaller and smaller and smaller until it can become something that we can contain and manage ourselves. And the worst part of love without power is that Christ isn't revealed. The only way to see the glory of God is when our love, which is also from God, of course, needs to be infused with the Spirit's power. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 2 to 5 says this, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. How do we reveal Christ? My message and my words were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith not, might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We need God's power if we're to reveal Jesus Christ and truly be people of love. In, uh, during May and, uh, and June, I was really going through a difficult time personally. I, I found that my, my daily Bible reading was, I just, it, it felt, it was kind of routine. I felt discouraged. And this is what was mostly going through my mind at that time. Um, when are we going to see a manifestation of the power and presence of God in our church? And in our lives. You know, it's hard to keep going if there's no power. It's just hard to keep going. And it feels as though there's a never-ending list of needs of people who need to be loved and cared for. And then it just feels like it's all up to us. And I was really discouraged. And I, I spent much time in prayer asking God to build my faith again for his power and presence. Because the love of God, as critical as it is, needs to be matched with the power of God 
or we become a discouraged community. And, and in that discouragement, we'll become divisive, blaming one another, pulling ourselves away. It doesn't work. So love needs power. And then power needs love. Power needs love. Uh, without love, power is vain at best. Let's look at, we looked at chapter 12, and now we're going into chapter 13. Listen to the beginning of chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It's just a, it's just a noise if I don't have love. I can have all kinds of power, but without love. It's just noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Wow. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Power without love is nothing. You know, you think of, uh, you think of the people of influence in the world. If they are not motivated by the love of God, that power is nothing. More than that, it becomes abusive. Power without love becomes abusive. Let's look at verses four to seven. And I've changed it. It says what love is. Well, if we don't have love, this is what we're like, using four to seven as our, as our, as our template. Without love, we're impatient, unkind, envious, boasting, and proud. We dishonor others, are self-seeking, easily angered, and keep records of wrong. We delight in evil and never protect, trust, hope, or persevere. Without love, we become abusive. Without the love of God flooding our hearts, transforming us from the inside out, we become mean-spirited people that are self-centered. So, uh, you know, uh, some of us listening today might really want to be a, a people of influence. We think of the idea of significance and we, we're all into that. We want a destiny and uh, we want to do something that matters. Well, if that's what you want to be, then pray for love as much as you pray for influence. Pray for the love of God to flood your heart because without that love, you will be dangerous and you'll end up hurting people because power just gives us a greater opportunity to be sinful. And unless Jesus transforms us with his love, we will become abusive people. So let's follow how we've gone today, is that we've looked at the way to have unity is through declaring Jesus as Lord and through needing others in the body of Christ. That we need that diversity, first of all, of those foundational gifts of apostle, prophet and teacher, because they help us love God, one another, and the world. And, uh, and as we receive their ministry, we find love and power coming together in our lives. But let me ask you in closing, uh, do you feel the opposite of that? Do you feel cold or powerless? Just take a moment right now and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you uh, Spirit of God, has my heart grown cold? Do I just not care as much? When I see the people at work who don't know Jesus, when I'm at the grocery store or, or out in the park, do I just 
try not to care or even don't care? Am I cold? Spirit of God, show me where that's true in my life. Uh, Dear Spirit, am I powerless? Have I really, because of the complexity and I hate feeling out of control and it seems really awkward and it's not very popular to speak of the gifts of the Holy Spirit these days, Spirit of God, have I actually chosen to become powerless and that I have a form of godliness but have denied its power? Um, Have I become that kind of person? Do I long, do I, as it says, uh, do I eagerly desire spiritual gifts? Or is that just kind of a, a side amusement for a particular segment of the body of Christ, but I'm not really into that myself. Um, Ask God to show you where you're uh, feeling powerless and where you're feeling cold. Now, here's what's interesting. Both feeling powerless and cold have the same remedy, and it's this, to let what we're calling fivefold people stir you. If you feel loveless and cold, get around apostles and evangelists, prophets, pastors and teachers, and I promise you, you will not feel loveless. They're gonna stir you up. They're gonna gonna break the way forward for you to move into the love of loving God, one another in the world in Jesus' name. Get around those people. Uh, Do you feel um, powerless? then hang around some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Just hang around them. And then you'll find the anointing that they have coming into your life. That you're going to find that they're going to build your faith for miracles, for seeing lives changed, for seeing hearts transformed. Faith will come to you. Look, here's the point. The only way that you and I are going to be mature and grow up in the fullness of Christ is if, is if we need the people of God. If we need those fivefold ministers in our life. You see, what typically happens in the world is if, they, if, a, if a problem is presented to us, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to work harder, aren't we? We're supposed to read more. We're supposed to become more diligent in prayer. Uh, The solutions always seem to be inside of us. But what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is if we're struggling in an area, that's an invitation to press into relationship, not isolation. I am becoming more and more convinced that the solution to any problem is to go deeper into relationship. Any problem that you have, do you feel powerless? in some area of your life, don't work on it yourself. Press into relationship. Come around pastors and teachers. Come around prophets. Get the context of the apostle and the evangelist. Don't improve yourself inside of yourself. Need the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not a cute idea for people who want a social network people who are a little bit lonely and need some new friends. The body of Christ and the gifts of the Spirit in that body are indispensable for our growth and maturity and even ability to worship Jesus Christ as Lord. The remedy is always the same. Draw closer. 
draw closer. And this is the message that we hope to give you. In, um, during this summer, we're doing these summer seminars. And each seminar is looking at one of these uh, kinds of ministries. And we've purposely designed them in such a way that we want to simply expose you to somebody who's clearly apostolic or prophetic or has a teaching gift. We're purposely doing that. So, so here's, the, here's the danger, is that you'll, you'll go through that little checklist and you go, oh, I'm not really a, a teacher. I'm not really prophetic. And then you won't go to the seminar. Like, expose, uh, put yourself in their presence and let who they are rub off on you. And it might be that you'll discover that, wow, that's one of your, your gifts and strengths and callings. But even if it's not, they're going to help you love God, one another, and the world. And we, we particularly designed it in such a way. Oh, Pastor Matt uh, last week did such an incredible job. We had a horrible time with technology. In the midst of all that, he shared the heart of a pastor in the most incredible of ways. And when you're around him, you love more. And you have more faith to see people's lives change. We're going to be hearing from, from Paul Morgan. He's going to lead the, the teaching time. Um, and when you're around him, you're just going to love God's word more. You're going to want to draw closer to God in that way. You're going to be built up in a way that wants you to be more part of the family of God. It's just what happens. So please, treat these summer seminars. Treat your, uh, your community as an opportunity to be influenced by the gifts of the Spirit so that you can reach a unity and maturity, attaining the, the full measure of the, of, of the fullness of Christ. This is why we need the body of Christ. And it's not just some, uh, something to, to help us find a new group of friends. So let me pray for us that love and power would replace being cold and powerless and that we would use the body of Christ as the means to become warmed and empowered. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that you've come. I'm reading through John chapter 17, uh, 15 to 17 these days, and I'm seeing how Jesus promised your coming. And so we welcome you into our community, we welcome you into our lives. And we thank you that you have equipped certain people to build a right foundation in our life of loving God, one another, and the world. And so we open our hearts to the body of Christ. We open our hearts to that diversity of gifts. And while the enemy would want us to feel guilty and confused and, and uh, pressured, we reject all that. And we Move toward these kinds of people, knowing that as we move toward them, we're moving towards you and receiving the fullness of who you are and of, of what you're calling us to be. And so, Father, would you open our hearts to the power and presence of God in our church community, that we could be people of love, that we could be people of honor, and in so doing, bring Write, uh, write honor and glory to your name. 
We thank you for the body of Christ. We receive the body of Christ and the gifts therein as a gift from God. Thank you, Jesus. We receive you as we receive them. In your name, amen. Thank you.